Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 49 of Intuitive Bites. I have been a little bit less regular with these episodes recently just because I've been putting my energy elsewhere, Um, but I'm hoping to start getting back on track here soon and putting out regular episodes again. Um, But for this episode that I'm releasing right now, um, this is a conversation I had with Beth Summers, who you may know from Instagram as Be True Balance, and also Brianna Campos, who you may know as Body Image with Brie. And this is a conversation that Beth proposed that we have um, about gentle nutrition. And this is something I don't really get to talk about a ton on the podcast because I think that most people who are coming to intuitive eating have so much work to do around making peace with food and getting back in touch with their hunger and fullness cues and you know body image stuff. So gentle nutrition really needs to be put on the back burner in the beginning of this journey. However, it's still an important conversation to have and I think there's a lot of miscommunication around it um, when people just learn about intuitive eating through Instagram. So Beth wanted to talk about this idea that sometimes gentle nutrition is literally just making sure that you're eating enough, right? Like it's not even necessarily about um, the nutritional content or anything like that. It's just like eating something is better than not having anything at all. Um, And I do find with my clients that making sure that they have they're taking in adequate energy throughout the day, you know, somewhat consistently in a manner that like meets their body's needs. Um, That's big work to be done for most people. Most people need that kind of guidance and some work around that. So um, this is a great conversation. It's actually a pretty long one. It's about an hour. So definitely longer than most of my episodes, but I'm excited to share it with you guys. Um, One thing to throw out there, um, I have my diet culture is a liar stickers. If you're interested in getting one of those stickers and putting it on your laptop or a water bottle or wherever you want, um, you can order it through the link in my bio on Instagram, which is uh, the intuitive underscore RD. If you aren't aware, you can also just go directly to my website, uh, which is the intuitive dash RD.com. All right, guys, let's go ahead and listen to this conversation about gentle nutrition. Okay, it says it's recording. Okay. Go ahead, Beth, take us away. Okay, so I guess we're tentatively calling this honoring your health and gentle nutrition and everything that that entails, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So a while ago, it's crazy how long it's been actually. Um, Kirsten and I had, had had a conversation about, you know, intuitive eating being more than just permission to eat donuts. It's also permission to eat salads. It's, it's more than just you know, the fun foods, it's, it, that nutrition has a place as well, right? Um, and some people have this misconception that intuitive eating is devoid of nutrition, which is not true. Um, and then a long time ago as well, Brie and I had had a conversation about the nuance of health and, and what does that mean for each person? Because that could be really kind of a blanket statement where people don't really understand or realize what they want or what they hope to experience if they were healthy, right? Oh no. Did she freeze? And so, ah, I'm here. Did you, sorry, did I freeze? Go ahead. Yes, a little bit, but go for it. (laughs) Okay. The joys of technology. I know. Yay. So I wanted to bring, I wanted to mesh these two conversations together because last month it was on my radar a lot, this idea of, um, of health and nutrition and how thanks to diet culture, we have this black and white perspective of what it is and what it isn't. And there isn't room for nuance. And, um, and something that I was talking about a lot, at least in my sphere, and this is what I wanted to have a conversation with both of you about is the idea of um, 
just giving yourself permission to eat first and foremost, whether that's a donut or a salad, because if you don't eat, you're not honoring your health. So I think sometimes we overcomplicate it by saying, oh, well, what should we eat? Instead of just saying, you know what, you need to eat something because something is better than nothing. Um, so I kind of just wanted to open up this conversation about, you know, how we can kind of, we can almost make intuitive eating its own diet, you know, with its rules and regulations when it, that's not what it was meant to be and how we can still kind of get stuck in our own self-perceived food fears or food rules as well. That then prevents yeah. us from just eating something because what happens if you don't eat, you die. So that's, that's the gist <laughs> of it is honoring your health could be simplified to you have to eat something, whatever that might be. And then there's nuance in that for each individual eater. So, yeah, I think it's interesting <laughs> with intuitive eating. Um, you know, like you're talking about people can kind of turn it into a diet and turn it into this, like, well, you know, right now I'm craving French toast, but I don't have stuff at home to make French toast. So like, maybe I, if I can't eat French toast right now, then I'm doing intuitive eating wrong. So I'm not like perfectly on, quote unquote, perfectly honoring, um, you know, my, what my body's asking for, or like what sounds really good. Um, but I think it's interesting because I think one of the biggest things that I talk about with clients when I talk about gentle nutrition is really this, like, are you getting enough? Like, are you having, like, is part of what's driving your chaotic eating just that you're simply not eating enough throughout the day or, like, you're not in tune with your cues so you're missing, you know, those opportunities to honor, um, honor your hunger or whatever. So I think that many people um, end up not eating enough and that so yeah I think that sometimes like you're you're saying sometimes it's just about like can we get you something like, can we get some kind of nutrition in you um and that kind of ends up really supporting the whole intuitive eating process as well yeah I think too I, um I've heard Christy Harrison say before on her podcast that Isabel Foxenduke has referred to it sometimes as the hunger fullness diet, right? That that's the, mm -hmm. the perception that people have about intuitive eating. And there's two really important points that we have to talk about when we talk about intuitive eating. One uh, is a point of access, right? Is that not everybody is able to have the opportunity to eat what they want when they want it, right? So there is privilege in that. Um, and that too, it's, you know, in the beginning, it, I always say intuitive eating is like opposite dieting, right? We're in the, like in the beginning of a diet, you have all these rules and all this structure and you're like, okay, this is easy. I can do this. And then the more you keep doing, you're like, I can't do this. And intuitive eating is sort of flipped where it's like, there's all of this freedom and you're like, wait, I can't do this. This is hard. And the more you learn it, the more nuanced it becomes that it's, it's, it becomes as easy as breathing. But in that beginning, in the beginning phases, it really is on learning all of these, um, ingrained messages that we have taken through the years and sort of sifting them out and sorting them out of what's true, what's true for me, what am I, what am I, what's accessible to me, what can I do within the means that are like are available to me and, uh, and what's truly honoring your body because I think honoring your body is honoring your health. Mm, I love that. Also, first of all, I love that idea about the like it being like reverse dieting but when you first said that so what I was kind of thinking of too is like with dieting it's like in the beginning like there's all these rules and structure and like things kind of seem like in very well controlled and then the end result of a diet is like this chaos and like yep. overeating or whatever whereas intuitive eating is like in the beginning for for many people not all but for many people it's like this chaotic blah blah, blah like I can't get control of this and then the end result is of course this like ironic control around food because you're just so well nourished and like not deprived <laughs> yeah absolutely oh my gosh, you're so right that's crazy I hadn't quite thought of it in that like exact flip but yeah um, that's yes you're right and I, I think it's not what, at least what I've seen out there in the community of social media, um, which I think, unfortunately, that's probably where most people either learn or mislearn about intuitive eating, um, is not only the idea of, like you said, the hunger fullness diet, but it's also, it's the, what do I want to eat diet? And it's not just that either. 
Um, because yeah. again, like and you had both said, it's not just like, oh, I want this thing. What happens if you can't have that thing? Food insecurities is real. If you don't have access to that, that food, either because you can't afford it or your kids are sleeping and so you don't want to leave the house at midnight, even though you're craving the thing, like it's not just a craving satisfaction diet either, you know? Um, and so I think in those moments, again, if, if you are, if you're, I don't want to say goal, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? If, if really you're, the outcome you're wanting is to honor your health, um, and certainly, you know, honoring your hunger cues and your satiety cues plays into that for sure, as well as, you know, what foods are enjoyable, pleasurable, satisfactory, like all of that plays a role for sure. But I think in those moments, especially if you're prone to undereating, is asking yourself, do I just need to eat something? You know, has it been a few hours? It's like that kind of that bare minimum threshold of, you know, am I getting enough? I don't want, <laughs> I want to say, am I getting enough calories? Like, am I getting enough energy in order yeah. to move my body in the way it wants to be moved? You know, um, especially if you think about like counteracting the whole bull crap 1200 calorie minimum day requirement that we hear thrown around all the time. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, I, I would love for Kristen to talk about this as the, the dietitian here. Yes. Um, or, you know, if, you know, anyone else wants to jump in, you, you can as well, but I, I, I too wonder is like, um, oh crap, I lost my thought. It's something along the lines of you, you said, um, you know, we're prone to under eating, right? And so, like, wanting to listen to our bodies, I think that satisfaction is, it's like a joyous part of the experience. So it's not necessarily mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the outcome, but it's part of the process. And so when you can really connect to your body and say, ooh, like I know I need to eat, you know, uh, like I, I know last night I ate dinner and it just was not what I wanted. Um, and I was, I was disappointed and that's okay. And I was like, tomorrow's a new day where I will have opportunities to eat exactly what I want to eat or, or not. Um, but I also know what I hear a lot of times from people is they don't have hunger cues. They don't have the physical hunger cues. So how are we supposed to honor our body? And like, I know for me, I usually get hunger cues because I stay up way too late. So it'll be like midnight. And then there's all these like myths of like, you can't eat past a certain time and you should drink <laughs> water and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's unlearning these messages, but also hey, what if you don't know? What if you're not connected to your body and you don't know that you're hungry? So I would love for, for Kirsten to talk about that as- Yeah. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting because I think that um, it's actually very prevalent for there, for there to be people who don't have these cues coming up, whatever. And I think that a big part of it is tied to metabolism. Mm -hmm. So when we are under eating because we think that that's what we're, how much we're supposed to be eating because of these crazy ideas or whatever, or- Another thing is like, uh, well, actually, I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, <laughs> so when we're under eating, it's going to affect our metabolism. It's going to slow things down, um, you know, naturally. Things are going to be moving at a slower rate to try to conserve energy and whatever. And ultimately, like, that's going to lead to us not having this hunger cues. Because essentially, your body's like, you know what, why am I going to expend energy giving her these cues when she's not honoring them anyway? Like, let's just stop spending energy there. Um, so literally, um, they just, yeah, you don't end up getting those cues. And then later on in the day, then that's when like the cues can finally kind of set in. And that's why that's one of the reasons why we end up seeing people, you know, eating more later on in the day because mm -hmm. their body's kind of finally catching up. The other thing to think about that, you know, also gets in the way of hunger cues is stress, yes. right? So like, if somebody is, very stressed in their life they've got a lot going on for whatever reason um or just a chronically stressed um their body's not gonna kind of give them those consistent cues that will kind of mute them um so there's there's so many things at play that can go into somebody not having cues another big one is like weight loss surgery right i have a, a history working with weight loss surgery patients um and i know for you've experienced this but that impacts hunger cues and many times especially in the beginning, not necessarily forever, um, these, these patients are not having hunger cues. So, I mean, the way that, like, I, I feel like I've even heard Evelyn Trebley put it this way, but sometimes it's got to be eating for self-care, not 
because there's a cue there. Mm, like mechanical eating in a way. Yeah. Right? Of just like, I know I have to eat. So like, it's a lot of what we do in, in eating disorder recovery is just like, we're going to eat. Mm-hmm. And I know this is what I have to do to, because when you're yeah. eating regularly, that's when the, that's when the cues will come back in. Right. Of, yeah. Hey, okay. And, and so I think another thing too, um, this has been a really big topic for me in terms of, right. And I'm using air quotes, holistic health, right. When we talk about honoring our health, we think of dieting and, and weight loss, right. But we don't think about managing our stress. We don't think, like we think it, but that's not the go-to of, hey, maybe I have a lot of stress going on in my life that I need to, maybe I need to sleep more or say no to things more and set healthier boundaries so that I can get up and eat breakfast and do the things that I need to do. And that's not the first conversation we have when we talk about honoring our health. And just to like tie it back in and circle back, like you said, like some of the first things we think of are dieting and what do you say? Weight loss, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we also don't think about just getting enough food, like right. getting enough energy in our bodies. That's not like, it's like actually preferable in diet culture to just not, you know, to deprive yourself to lose weight, to, you know, be in this calorie deficit than it is to actually properly nourish your body by giving it the energy it actually needs to function normally. Yeah. And this is probably a much deeper conversation than, than this, but what I have been experiencing in my own uh, work with, with clients is that there is a body dissociation a lot of times for people who are amidst even disordered eating recovery, that they don't connect to their bodies. They have, they've lived their entire lives disconnecting from their body. So now it's like, no, 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 we want you to feel it. We want you to feel it all. And it's too much. It can be so overwhelming. And so I think there's this overarching, uh, link to disordered eating and body trauma of how we have just learned to numb and to distance and to cut off. But when we're like, no, we want, I want you to feel satisfied when you eat or on the alternative of, Hey, this particular meal or whatever, or eating past comfortable fullness or whatever, it causes me discomfort. Okay. Then we have to sit in that. We have to figure out what your gremlins or, you know, the, the negative self-talk is saying to you so we can move past that, so we can heal from that. And so I think it's a, a large conversation that's missing when we talk about honoring our bodies, the, the disconnection to our body. That's super interesting. What do you think, that's Beth? Yeah. I'm going to grab my charger, no, so I, I'll be I'm right back. <laughs> I'm just like nodding the whole time, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, what I hear a lot is when... Again, when people are prone to undereating, um, I hear that a lot, you know, that, well, I don't get hungry. So then that means I don't have to eat, right? And I'm like, mm. well, no, not necessarily. Um, I call it food apathy, you know, because mm. if you have gone for so long ignoring your, your hunger cues, you're not going to have them. You just won't. Mm. And so that's why I think honoring your health can include mechanical eating. It can include that bare minimum caloric need, right? That like, okay, that eating for self-care. Um, not that, not that everyone, I mean, we're not babies, right? It's not like we have to eat every two hours um, per se. Maybe some people do and that's fine. <laughs> but if, if it's been like 12 hours or 10 or six or whatever, and you haven't eaten something, then maybe you should probably eat something. You know what I mean? You can't just rely on your hunger cues, especially if you've spent years or you're ha- you have a traumatic response and you've disconnected from your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I think, again, there's that, that element of, this is what makes it really hard to just say, well, it's intuitive because sometimes you might not be, you might not have a strong intuition Intuition. when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to food and body. And, um, you know, I have to, I have to jump in here. So I was at the fancy, (laughs) yes. Sorry. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. I was at the fancy conference, uh, whenever that was a couple weekends ago. And I, I watched the talk with Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Fresh on intuitive eating and what oh, every yeah. dietitian should know. Yeah, it was super cool. But what they said in one of the first slides of their presentation was that, you know, intuitive, something along the lines of like, it's not one of the myths 
about intuitive eating is that it's instinctual or it's all instinctual. And I think that basically what they were talking about was like, people assume like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, when I'm hungry, I eat and then whatever, like, and it's like, okay, that's the end of it. But the reality is that there's so much nuance here. And that's mm. what gets missed. You know, that's what gets missed. And I think in this conversation, when we think about like, people getting confused about, well, my body's not telling me that I'm hungry right now. So I guess that I don't eat. Like, I, I guess that means I don't eat. But the reality is like, part of intuitive eating is like these different layers of mind, body and spirit. And like, maybe your body isn't telling you that it's hungry and it needs food right now, but your mind knows, oh, listen, I, like I've just slept all night and now it's been a couple hours since I've been, you know, woke up. Like I need to eat. I know that. And that is, that's part of intuitive mm. eating. Yeah. I, I have this thought often too, where it's like, this is, it's such a strange example, but like, I don't, I don't get thirsty very often. I can go a really long time without drinking, but yet I know I need to drink water or I need to drink something. Like if I get to the end of the day, I'm like, ah, I haven't drank any water today. I know that that's not good. And I also, I don't know if any of you are familiar, I have this thing called vasovagal, which means like my blood pressure drops very quickly, especially if I like, like bend over or anything. And the thing that helps me the most is hydration. So especially in the summer when it's really hot, my, I, and I start to feel like that dizziness, all I know is I need to drink a lot of water and that can help mitigate the symptoms. It's not like I've been feeling thirsty, but I know my, my body's going to crash mm -hmm. if I don't. And, it, and the same would go for even like, you know, again, like an instinct, like of going to the bathroom. We don't think about when we have to go to the bathroom, we just go. If you're not going, there's an indication something might not be right if you're not mm -hmm. going. But we mm -hmm. see not going to the bathroom or not, you know, drinking enough water as something of concern, whereas we see not eating as like a sign of like, hey, that's pretty cool. I'm not hungry. But then when we're hungry, we're like, what's wrong? Why am I so hungry? Yes. So much judgment, well right? That's met with it. And I remember a friend of mine, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Molly Kate Wellness, she did a podcast with my other friend, um, Kelsey Pukala, who's an RD, and they said something interesting on the podcast that's like when, when women are in their menses, that they need like 500 more calories than they would on a normal basis. And I was like, that makes sense why I'm always ravenous on my period. Wait, it's because your body is doing so much more. It makes sense. Right? Not that anybody's <laughs> counting, but that it makes sense why there are times where you're hungrier and when you're not. But that that right. intuition is, it is, it is, it's a learned and a comfortability. It is connecting to your body, mm -hmm. but it's not, it might not be automatic. It might not be in the beginning, but it's meeting it without mm -hmm. the judgment piece. And that's, I think that's yeah. the, the piece that we're facing. Because you're right too with that. Like people are so judgmental of themselves. Like, oh my gosh, I'm on my period and I'm craving all this, this, and I need all this ah. extra food and I'm having it. And it's like, this is yeah. so bad. How do I control yeah. this? Like maybe yeah. you don't need to control it. Maybe it's your body doing its thing and it needs extra yeah. calories, but it's going to drive you to them. <laughs> like we don't ever, like I never, I'm like, oh man, I peed three times in the last hour. I'm never like, why am I doing that? We would never approach it. We'd be like, <laughs> what did I drink? Like, what is going on? But without what sans the judgment, right? But when there's right. hunger, we're like, what is going on? And I think it's, I think there's a fear piece to that, right? Because it feels, mm -hmm. especially if people, if you're working with people who have a history of claiming that they've been addicted to food, quote unquote, or feeling out of control around mm -hmm. food, that that feeling of ravenous hunger can feel scary. And mm -hmm. wanting to yeah. make space for that too, though. For sure. You know, this is making me yeah. think of too, like, you know, it, something I see a lot with clients related to not eating enough is like, again, the judgment comes in when it's like, oh, I woke, I, I'm never hungry for breakfast in the morning. Like I'm good or something, right? Like if there's this like judgment of like, oh, it's really like, it's really good of me that I'm not hungry at this part of the day. But then ironically that not eating and not kind of eating just for out of self-care in that moment leads to the chaotic eating later in the day which becomes this judgment of, oh my God, I'm so bad. What's wrong with me? How, what do I need to do to control this? But it's, it's ironic because the, you know, if they just ate something or, you know, if you just eat something earlier in the day out of self-care, it's going to kind of prevent that chaos yeah. later. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's another piece too, is that if you are somebody who, you know, let's say like, is just like recovering from disordered eating that you're not, it's not eating disorder behavior, but you're just used to not eating in the morning and you're, I'm going to go on a cup of coffee and then you get home and then you're like, wow, I'm eating a lot of even just recognizing this is my body trying to make up for not getting enough during the day. And that let's try. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know one of the things that I'll do with uh, work when I work with people is Okay, like, well, now that you can recognize that, are there any points in the day where you could throw a snack in there? Can we throw some snacks in your mm-hmm. desk or in your car? I keep car snacks like a toddler because I'm like, when it hits, <laughs> I need something now. And it has to be something that's like going to be able to stand, withstand the weather. So there might not be my favorite snacks, but like I have, I know I, I keep rice cakes in my car just because I'm like, they will, they will hold with through any weather <laughs> and like mm-hmm. peanuts and stuff like that. But that when, and I don't know, I don't know if anyone else will experience this too. There are times where it's like, there's like a little window where I'm like, ooh, I could eat now. And if you push past it, you're like, okay, I'm good. And it's not, it's like a false, it's a false goodness. So I'm like, if I eat now, if I honor that in that moment, I will be less insatiable later on in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that you're bringing that up. So a couple things. One, I am one of those people ever since I was young. So this was before I was like dieting or, you know, stuck in diet culture. Um, I don't typically wake up starving. I'm not usually a hungry morning person. But nowadays, I know that I still should probably eat something. I'm not going to force myself to eat, you know, like a huge three course meal first thing in the morning but I'll have something to give me some energy until I'm ready to eat more later, you know? And I think that goes back to that honoring your health, self-care. And, um, and, you know, I work a lot with, with moms and it's like, if you plan for your kids needs, why can't you do the same for yourself? Like I say, like pack your own diaper bag, right? You get ready for like, Hey, have you eaten something child? (laughs) Maybe you're hungry here. I have something like you get to do that for yourself. And um, and I love, again, bringing it back to what, what Kirsten had said about like intuition is more, I think you'd said kind of like a, a body, mind, spirit approach, right? It's not just instinctive or gut response. Um, and so what I, what I like to do for myself is to have a conversation, right? It's, it's like, oh, you know, I think maybe you don't feel hungry right now. But I know that you've got a big day ahead of you, so I know that it's probably in our best interest to eat something. Does anything sound good? And then to branch off even more, and again, this I think this is, addresses the whole, it's not just a what sounds good diet either, right? Um, if my body's like, well, nothing sounds good. Well, I know that I probably need a balance of nutrients, you know, those, those macros <laughs> that are so important for our health. And so I'll say, you know, is there any protein that sounds good? Anything like I don't have, you know, limitations on these things. That's where I get the food freedom. But I, but there's like a gentle parenting of myself of like, I need mm. a little bit more of this because we haven't had it or because you haven't eaten enough. So within this realm or these guidelines, what sounds good or what do we have? What do you have access to that is doable? Maybe something sounds good, but we can't do it. Or maybe it's not necessarily the best time or place or and and it's kind of like um like Brie you know I might be starving at midnight because I've stayed up late and so yeah my body's gonna say hey we need food right I'm probably not gonna eat a three-course meal at midnight because I know that I probably won't sleep well but that doesn't mean I don't eat anything it means I could eat a snack so I think there's there's a balance here and where people experience that chaos in the oh no it froze again. Intuitive eating. Well, just tell me what to do. What's the checklist? When when is okay and when is not okay? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to just saying leaning into that and having a conversation with yourself. Right. And saying what's going on. Here's what's possible. What can we do for for you? You know, and and having that kind of a relationship. That's why it's called a relationship, right? Yeah. So I do like you have you a relationship with your body. The gentle parenting. I really. I think just like. Like, you know, before we went, you know, trick-or-treating, I told my niece, let's go to the bathroom. I don't have to go. Let's try anyway, right? Because you might not have to go now, but 
I don't want to be down the block and for us to have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that that gentle guidance. But the thing I wanted to say, Beth, is like, okay, so if I'm hungry at midnight, I'm not going to have a three-course meal, but you have permission to. And that's the difference between food freedom and and dieting is that there's there's there are no rules of like what's allowed and what's not allowed. If you want a chicken breast for breakfast and you want, I don't know, uh, pancakes for dinner, you can do that. If you want to make a three course meal and you have the freedom to go out and buy all the ingredients to make French toast at midnight, you can. We recognize that as like access as as privilege because not everyone's able to. But the other point I wanted to bring into this too is, you know, it is not just the what sounds good diet. And I really liked how you said that. One of the things that I've had to do for myself, um, and I know Beth, you helped me with this a little bit, um, is how do I want to feel? I've shared very, very honestly about my struggle with IBS as well. And so oftentimes, even if something sounds good, I have to think, How's that going to make me feel in an hour? So like tonight, I really wanted a a latte from Starbucks. So I stopped. If I don't feel good in an hour, I'm home. It doesn't matter. If I'm going to work and there's a potential that I'm going to be in somebody's home or in an office, I might skip it just because I'm not sure how I'm going to feel. There's permission to. I have absolute permission to if I want to. But it's really just thinking about how I want to feel. So even if, okay, I know I'm going to be, I, I know that I, I went um, I went down to the beach this summer and they were making um, uh, Taylor ham, egg and cheese sandwiches. We call it Taylor ham here. I don't know what you guys call it in the other parts of the world. I think it's called pork <laughs> roll. But um, I was like, man, if I eat that and then sit on the beach all day, I probably am not going to feel my best. It's not that that food is bad. It's not that I would be bad mm-hmm. if I ate it, but I was thinking in the long run, I want to be able to sit on the beach all day and get tan and not have to worry about being sick. So I'm going to opt for something else. Mm-hmm. And there's that permission piece mm-hmm. there. And I think a lot of times there, it, we're still working through the nuances of that, of, oh, like I have to say yes. And then I don't feel good. And I think part of honoring your health is really connecting to, well, what feels good? What, what not only sounds mm-hmm. good, but how do you want to feel when you're done eating that? Right. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you clarified that because it is all about permission and no judgment. Right. So again, like you can, you can eat whatever, however, whenever you want. And that means no judgment from outside sources or for yourself. So if you eat something knowing that maybe you won't feel good later, that doesn't, as you said, doesn't make the food bad and it doesn't make you bad bad as an eater. Right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make you bad. It's just like, Oh, okay. Like it's just feedback, right? So that next time you can choose the same thing or you could choose something different. It's your choice. Like that's, I think that's what's so freeing is it's my choose, (laughs) my choose, my choice (laughs) to choose what I want to eat, what I want to eat. Um, you know, and, but it doesn't have to say anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about me. It's just food. And that is very fun. Did anyone see my burger on Instagram the other day? No. Oh my God. It was, yeah, it was from Bear Burger. (laughs) It was, it was a, it was a, a burger with onion rings and regular French fries and this, I forgot what sauce they, and they had onion rings on top. Yo, so good. And I was in so much pain. And I, I took, cause I'm lactose intolerant too. I took lactate and I was like, YOLO. And Man, I is so much discomfort later, but uh, I was able to honor my body in that, like I was like, "Hey, I want this. I know what could happen. This doesn't make me bad or good." And I think also too, sort of bringing in wellness culture into this is that like oftentimes we blame the food immediately. It's like, "Oh, what did I eat?" I knew that this was probably not going to end well, but just because I know my stomach. But it's no longer this, I ate this, it was bad, and I'm bad. It was, this was amazing and delicious. I enjoyed it. And then the next day, I was like, I'm going to need something a little light in the morning. Yeah. A little gentle. And just being able to honor my body in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that, like, 
you know, when we get the problem with judgment, I mean, there's a lot of problems with it, but it, it's kind of a, a dead end. It doesn't allow us to take in the information and figure out what we want to do, like whatever. It just like leads to this weird cycle. And where, whereas in your case, where there wasn't the judgment, because you've done all this work, the next day you were able to like listen to what your body had to say. And it was like, okay, like I'm, maybe I'm going to have a little bit something different or whatever, something that's going to make me feel good today because that's what I want. Um, whereas that could have gone a very different way if you were stuck in the judgment cycle. Um, right. So th there's this kind of like re, I can't think of the word. Um, your body's like recalibrating. It's it's figuring out, it's adjusting, it's um, responding to the meal that you had previously that you decided to do. And, and it figures it out if we can listen to that mm -hmm. feedback. Mm -hmm. For sure. Cool. I love this conversation. Do you have any I thoughts? I know, this is great. I kind of have one thought, if you don't Yay, mind. Please. Okay. Um, so just kind of what I loved what you were talking about, Brie, in terms of you knew like what the consequences are or, or more or less what the possible reactions are for your body. And it was just such a good representation of like body autonomy. Um, and really that kind of gentle nutrition involvement in body autonomy, autonomy. And I think of, cause I work with families and kiddos and, um, so I always think of like families that create this fear around foods, especially if they have an allergy. And I think about like food allergies being like a really common thing that people are so scared of. And then in addition to food allergies, you have all this um, information about the food industry and things like that. And so people really just wrap up this fear around a food allergy or specific food. And um, even with kiddos that have like severe anaphylaxis around food allergies, um, you can still have like food neutrality, like you can still be neutral around food, you can, don't have to call it good or bad, you don't have to call it healthy or unhealthy. If that food is still neutral in your book, but you as a human and as a person, as a kiddo know that that food gives your body specific reaction, you have the autonomy to make the choice as to whether or not you're going to partake in that food. Um, some people have different levels of allergies, so they can, like you said, you can take, sometimes you can take lactate and you can be okay. And you're like, that was worth it for me. That was amazing. <laughs> Would do it again. Other people don't necessarily have that choice. They're like, I smell a peanut, <laughs> you know, on the plane from <laughs> three seeds down and I have a like allergic reaction. And that's, it's very scary for those families. And it's really like, I feel for them because they, they live in a sense of fear or they usually also had a really bad reaction to finding out that they had a peanut allergy or whatever allergy that mm. they have. So they have a little bit of trauma there to unpack. Um, but if you approach it as like, you know, a food, like if you're able to neutralize all food, including that food that you're allergic to, and then if you're able to, because it's amazing that the food industry has alternatives usually to these foods, if you have access to that, usually you can find alternatives to something and it doesn't have to be um, that like continuing traumatic experience mm -hmm. of constantly avoiding and constantly being scared. If, if you're educated and families are educated and people are educated, um, then they have the autonomy and the power to make their choices. So for example, like wow butter is totally made out of, I think, soybean or something. Mm -hmm. And usually it's school safe. You can bring it to school, but it's an alternative to peanut butter. And it's one of those things where they're like, well, I loved peanut butter, but then I had a severe peanut reaction. I cannot have it, but maybe I can try this. Mm -hmm. And this is like, providing similar nutrition, providing gentle nutrition, also getting a little bit of that satisfaction factor. But like, I recognize peanut butter is not a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. It's just my body reacts different to it. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think, I, I mean, I really love even just the, the phrasing of 
recognizing the consequences because I think people automatically think consequences are a bad thing, but consequences mean outcome, right? What is the outcome going to be? And there are days where people who know me, I will choose mostly to be dairy free in a lot of my decisions. My choice, like I don't, I don't feel like I'm missing out because I don't choose cheese. I just know that I don't like how I feel when I have, and I keep lactate literally almost everywhere just in case because I don't want the option of not having it but there are times where I know like something like that where it's also like with the burger there's there's grease and there's fried food so there was like a triple whammy but it would have felt like restriction to not choose it because you know it's a bad food or because of the way it makes me feel in that moment I was like this is the right to choose my food and my body how it's going to react and, and yeah, I think that being able to come to peace with that, I know for me, there's a lot of dairy-free options that I prefer to the regular dairy option at this point in my life. And when people are like, oh man, that's so sad. I'm like, no, it's, it's not for me because it's a choice and I'm empowered to make that choice. And there are times where I will choose to eat cheese or ice cream or, you know, but, but it's, it's the, it's my choice and there's the freedom to do that. So I really, I like that. Go ahead, Beth, what were you going to say? No, I, I love that you're bringing this up again, that power to choose. I think sometimes there's a lot of fear behind, um, well, if I'm always listening to my intuition or my cravings and what my body wants, then I'm a slave to my body. Like I don't get to choose. I, do you get what I'm saying? Like for some people, that's really scary. It's almost easier to say, well, just tell me what to eat. than trust yourself to tell you what to eat because you're like, well, what if, what if I don't like that outcome? Right. And so again, this goes back to, it's, it's a conversation you get to have with your body. You get to say, you have permission to eat this thing. You, it, it says nothing about you. Um, you know, the food is neutral and do you need something else? You know, it's not, it, it, it doesn't like try to put you in one box or the other, right? It's not, there's no judgment here. Again, it's like, this is a conversation I would have with my children, which is, yes, you can have the donut for breakfast. That's great. It's so fun. It's yummy. And it's going to be a long day today. Is there a protein that sounds good as well? Like, what can you add to it? I think it's when you come from this place of it's an either or, like an, instead of an and situation of, no, I either have to eat this food or I don't get to eat it. It's like, well, what if what if you can have both or what if now is not the right time for whatever reason, but it doesn't say anything about the food or you. So your options are more open that way instead of, well, I either eat what an expert tells me to eat or I always eat what my body tells me to eat, even if I know it's going to make me sick. No, there's more options here. Um, there's more freedom when you approach it from this, you know, what, what do I want and what do I need? And yeah you know, coming from that place of honoring your health again. So, yeah, I feel like this is the, the second biggest thing that always comes up um, with my work with clients. It, when I talk about gentle nutrition, it's this idea of addition because diet culture is all about, you know, like you're saying, black and white thinking this or that you're either doing a good job or you're doing a bad job. And gentle nutrition is not about like, what is the most nutrient dense food I could possibly eat right now and then, you know, get rid of everything else. Gentle nutrition is what sounds really good to me and sounds like really satisfying. Um, and also what is going to honor my health. And also like, obviously that hopefully will be connected to being satisfying um, in some way, right? You can choose, you know, yeah, you can, you can choose what sounds the most satisfying within that category, but gentle nutrition, basically it's all about addition really to, you know, balance from that place of addition rather than subtraction. Well, and I, I think too that it, we, and we definitely want to be careful too, because I think diet culture has commandeered some of these phrases also, like everything in moderation or like crowding out. <laughs> and that's not what we're talking about here. And, and right. so right, when we approach intuitive eating, we want to approach it with curiosity rather than criticism. And so maybe your kids have the donut and they just eat the donut. And then, hey, how did you feel today with just having the donut? You know, it was really good and really good, great, but I got really hungry in like three hours. I wonder what we could do next time that you could still have that donut, but not then be hungry again in three hours. And right, of just seeing it as a learning opportunity. You cannot 
you, you don't do intuitive eating wrong. The only way you do intuitive eating wrong is if you're also trying to do it for weight loss. So that's right. There's no yeah. screwing up. Like if you don't quote unquote choose right, it was, you see it as a learning opportunity. And then next time you bank that as I call it like a learning experiment of, okay, this is what happened this time. So when that, I get in that situation again, I remember what happened that time. Let me see how I can problem solve this differently. Yeah. It's like the experience of it all. And it's like, Gain, you know, like I think that that's such an important reframe for many clients I work with is to to steer it away from oh this was a bad day because X Y Z happened because that's what diet culture talk is all about. To like what like you're saying, what can I learn from this? What can I? How can I serve my body, serve my health better next time if I want mm-hmm. to? Like, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really and I like the conversation about the donut and the kids and whatever. It's like leading with their own experience rather than saying like, oh, like maybe you should add this to that. You know, it's like allowing their experience to be the guide, allowing them to figure it out rather than saying, oh, this would be a good idea to do this. You know, I think that must be so hard because I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't imagine being like, but I know what's going to be good for you. Trust me. But it's really right. right, Going back to that body autonomy of I'm going to let the kids sort of be in charge of listening to their own bodies. And so I, I, I know like with Halloween that just passed a lot of, you know, posts going around about just letting kids eat the candy that, that really and truly they, that if they get sick, that's a learned experience, right? If they overeat yes. on candy, then they will, they will take that and they'll be like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that next time. Or I don't want to feel that way next time. But that when we restrict and we say, no, you can only have this much, then you're limiting and you're putting these restrictions around, which could cause kids to sneak food or, you know, all these different experiences. Or, you know, like there was like a lot of different posts on how to, you know, help kids. But even as an adult, I remember I I posted something on Halloween that even just a few years ago, I would buy all of the candy that I don't like so that I wouldn't eat any of it. And then my dad would get all the best candy and I'd be like, dude, why are you doing that? And so then every day I'd be like, I'm just going to have one. Okay. I'm going to have one more. Okay. I'm going to, okay. I have this. Okay. I'm going to have just four. And then it would be like, like, why do I feel this crazy around candy? Whereas now I can literally have candy whenever I want that I can count how many times I went in the bowl because that is how little I cared about it because I know the freedom and the relationship I have with it. So it's like, I don't get a medal because I didn't eat any candy, but if just like, Hey, well, that must, it just feels really nice to not feel like out of control around something that we make such a big deal, like one time a year, you know? Yeah. And I love that reframe too. Cause I think that sometimes, again, when you're looking at intuitive eating from the diet culture lens, it's like, Oh, like I'm going to do intuitive eating. So then I don't eat so much candy, like, or whatever. But it's yeah. like, the reality is like what you're saying. It's like, no, it's just like, can we bring it back to how it feels? Like it feels good to not feel like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, I need to eat all this candy. And then, Oh my God, now I don't feel good. And whatever. Like, it's like, yeah. it, it's from a place of, again, honoring your body, honoring your health. Um, and, doing things that are going to make you think about food less and like be less crazy around food so that you can just like enjoy what's really important. That I have (laughs) so much more brain space that if I eat like four pieces of candy, it's like, cool, I'm going to move on with my day now as opposed to, oh my God, what did I just do? Right. It's, it's, and going back to right honoring your health, it also has to look at your relationship to food. Right. And so that feeling of feeling out of control is not a great feeling. And I understand and I empathize with that. And so kind of tying it all back together, one of the ways that I think people can circumvent that feeling out of control food is by regulating how often they eat. Of by, okay, you know, if you're not eating enough, you're going to feel crazy around food. That is a one I know that was my experience, was that I wasn't eating enough during the day or I was cutting out certain macronutrients because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And then by the time I got to nighttime, I was like, ah, I'm so hungry. I can't, I can't be satiated. And so of really, of, you know, and tying that all back together, it's, it is it, honoring your health is not just looking at what you're eating, but how you feel about what you're eating. Mm, yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. 
can't. Okay, can you hear me? My thing is starting to yes. I might have to leave soon. Yeah, um, we're coming. Not to because this could be a complete tangent. So, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that I know this could be a complete tangent, um, but I don't want to go off like completely off the deep end. But you know, so far we've just been talking about physical health and how you can honor your physical health with food. Um, but there is so much more that is possible, wh whether that's emotional health and well-being or, um, you know, even spiritual or mental. There's so much more to health than just physical health. And I think um, just to throw this out as an example, I was working with someone who genuinely couldn't eat cake without having major physical reactions, right? And it was her birthday. And she's like, well, what do I do, Beth? I think we sometimes get stuck in this idea of only way we can experience food is by eating it, but that's not true. And kids are great at this, right? They love to experience food. You know, they make the craziest concoctions or they just sit and play with it and they don't eat it at all. So what I had this, this lady do is I said, you can still enjoy a cake on your birthday without having to eat it. If you truly don't want to eat it and you don't want to deal with those consequences, it. But if you genuinely don't want the cake for your own reasons, then what else is possible with this cake? What else could you experience with it? And so she got her family together and they had a cupcake war. They literally had a food fight and she said it was one of the most satisfying birthdays she'd ever had with cake and she didn't even eat it. So um, I think again, honoring your health can be Uh-oh. <laughs> Beth. She looks cute frozen though. <laughs> wow, we really lost her this time. I know. She and she did say she was breaking up a little bit. I do think that's an interesting concept though of experiencing Super your food, right, without eating it. But it actually makes me think of a, a therapeutic concept of um you guys are gonna be like what that's a therapeutic concept of play right I think that yeah we, right that we often think I remember um Stuart Brown he is the author um he, he used to be a hey you're there Hi. <laughs> so we, I was just hopping in while you were disappeared for a second um <laughs> about experiencing food without eating um, but just this concept of play, right? When we think about kids, they're so imaginative. Yes. They have no problems with creating things. But as adults, we're like, what? What do you mean with play? What does that mean? And, and so Stuart Brown uh, was a uh, violence researcher turned play therapist um, because he realized that what kids who became violent lacked was this unorganized play. And so I think that that mm. really aligns with that whole experience of, you know, if every experience around cake was a traumatic one, right? That of course the body keeps the score and she remembers that. And it's just not a comfortable experience that how cool is it that she gets to experience it in a new way now where it's like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. I, I, I didn't even say too for me, I don't enjoy birthday cake. Like it's just not, there's just so many other things I would rather eat. I didn't even get dessert on my birthday. And you know what? I loved it. I love, one of my, my clients actually gave me a cake, which was fine, but it was so sweet. But, but in terms of like, uh, we were out to eat and I was like, I'd rather eat more of my dinner than eat dessert. And that's yeah. okay too, right? And so that goes back to that body autonomy of, you know, you get to decide. Again, I'm going to reward or a star or make me a good person because I don't like that, or don't want it, but <laughs> yeah, so Beth, I don't know if you want to finish your thoughts, because I know you got interrupted. I honestly don't even know where it cut me off, so I'll just trust that you guys had a good conversation while I was going. Yeah, no, it was, I, I think that's so fascinating, because I never, I, it's not the perspective I would have had on it, but I think it's so interesting to think about that, you know, you can experience food in so many ways and just because you can't eat it doesn't mean you can't get some of that experience out of it and get end up getting some satisfaction um and fulfillment really from it so i think that's just mm -hmm. really interesting and mm -hmm. yeah 
Thank you. I mean, obviously, you'd, you're welcome. You'd, you'd want to be careful, again, if you have a predisposition to undereat, to not use that as an avoidance yes. of not eating, right? Oh, I'll make the cupcakes, and then I don't have to eat them, because if I eat the cupcakes, cupcakes and I'll eat all the cupcakes right yeah. so it's it's not it's not a tool to be used for restrictive purposes it's just right. to expand the options the freedom we have to experience our food you know eat the cupcake play with it I don't care whatever but what helps you to have a truly satisfactory experience and it goes beyond just choosing the food and eating the food it could be that element of play or I don't know whatever else it might be um, but I think bringing it back to, you know, the beginning of our conversation of if you are under eating, if you are finding ways to not eat more or add to your diet, then get curious and ask yourself why and, um, and how can you honor your physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual health. And, um, and so I think, again, it, it, this is nuanced and it's going to be unique to each eater and that's okay. And that's how it's supposed mm. to be. So just because I might eat a certain food or eat it in a certain way, doesn't mean that you are wrong or I'm right. Or like there, again, there's no judgment here. It's just exploration and it's developing mm. that relationship and that trust that you can have with yourself and mm. with your food if, if and when you're ready for that. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Um, so first and foremost, I don't know if you ladies know that Beth has a book. Um, I'm going to like plug you a little bit. I love Beth's book and I use it with my clients all the time because I, I really do think that making peace with food really does come back to that connection. And I just love a lot of the activities that she has in her book to help you play with your food, to help you connect. I mean, I know, I know one of my favorite, um, activities is like the last bite, right? Of creating the perfect last bite. Whereas, you know, it used to be like, okay, well, I have to, I have to, you know, keep eating because, um, I have a little bit left of like, or, or, you know what, you know what, I'm feeling like I'm getting to close to the end. So I'm going to create the perfect last bite, even if that means I have two or three bites left and being okay with throwing out two or three bites. It, and, and I mean, that could, we could break off into a whole other tangent if I'm <laughs> talking about like, you know, food waste and, you know, and going back to scarcity mentality. Um, oh shoot. I lost my other thought, but yeah. So plugging, plugging Beth's book of experiential oh, eating. I think, yeah. thank, thank you. I, I think again, this goes back to, um, if you're still thinking too much about food, even though you're now an intuitive eater, then there might still be something there that's holding you back from just experiencing full permission and full freedom. You know, and so it's, it's not, I mean, all of us have said this before at some point in time, it's not about the food. It's not about your body. It's not even about your health, right? It's, it's what is preventing you from experiencing what is possible in these areas. And if there's something that's holding you back from that, that's where you get to lean in and get curious, you know, mm -hmm. definitely. So, and this is, you know, again, that conversation that Brie and I have had a long time ago about, well, if health is your goal, whether, you know, whether it's in the physical realm or the, I don't know, energetic realm or whatever you want to call it, right? What would you be experiencing? What would be possible if you already had that? And then what's preventing you from doing that now, right? Mm. Whether it means like, oh, well, I would have, um, I don't know, I would have more choices with my, with my food or eating habits. Okay, well, how can you explore that now? Or maybe it's, you know, I would be able to wear fun clothes or I'd be able to do fun things or, you know, interact with my kids or my, like, there's a gamut of things that you, you are holding yourself back from experiencing now. Instead of just saying, well, what would be possible? How can I experience that now? Whether, you know, again, whether it's with food or something else, um, and chances are there's probably a judgment that's holding you back from, from having that now. And so that's what you get to lean into and get curious with. And I think that's the freedom piece, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. food freedom. Right. So. And that's your autonomy too of, I get to choose what, what that might be. So, yeah. yeah, I think that that is a perfect place for us to end. <laughs> I don't know what you ladies think. It's been an I awesome think so too. Perfect thought. <laughs> perfect conclusive thought. 
Well, thank you very much, Beth, for organizing this. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to stop the recording. Perfect. All right. That is a wrap on this long episode compared to the rest of my episodes. Hopefully some of you guys got through it um, and got something out of that conversation on gentle nutrition. Also, if you're not already following Beth Summers and Brianna Campos, definitely do that. So just a reminder, Beth's Instagram is at be true balance and breeze is at brianna campos or right that's her name um her instagram handle is body image with brie so highly highly recommend following both of them and yeah i hope you guys have an awesome week like i said i'm gonna do my best to get on some more regular episodes because i know i've dropped off a bit um but i'm looking forward to to having more conversations and getting more conversations out to you guys All right, guys, I will talk to you really soon. Take care.